You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art, trailers, behind the scenes, and we're starting a very special month, a 90s comic book month. Matt, how excited are you for this? This is this is right up my alley. This is everything I like. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I did it, I was like, you know what? Let's just do something really happy that'll make us, you know, forget a little bit of the bad stuff going on. And, you know, 90s... Uh, Comic book movies, pulp comic book movies, whatever we want to do. I think it's perfect. And what's the first one we're doing? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> oh, shit. You didn't see the title. It's Dick Tracy. Nice. Let's go. Big boy Caprice. <laughs> Breathless Mahoney. Flat top. The DA. Prune face. Mumbles. Lips manless. And the blank are out to get the greatest detective of all time. I'm rubbing him out. I want him dead. Nobody touches Tracy but me. Tracy. 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 You mind if I call you Dick? I was beginning to wonder what a girl had to do to get arrested. Wearing that dress is a step in the right direction. For a tough guy, you do a lot of pansy things. You're under arrest. Aren't you gonna frisk me? Hey, copper, maybe you wanna look before you leave. When it's time to fight crime, he's your man. Walt Disney Pictures presents Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. Whose side are you on? And Madonna as Breathless Mahoney. Are you gonna make a move? Do I have to do everything? I'm on duty. Dick Tracy. I'm on my way. This movie's crazy. <laughs> I'll just be honest. This was my first time seeing it. No way. I did not know that. I have never seen this movie before. This was this was brand new to me. Um, it's just one of those ones that got by me. I feel like maybe because it came out in 90 and I was like not like I didn't have like brain capacity yet. So like I, I think I just missed it. A lot of a lot of the stuff I remember from the 90s is like from 92 on so this one got by me (laughs) yeah i believe this and batman are probably my first comic book movies and then you know teenage mutant ninja turtles and then after that just all the stuff that came out yeah every everything after this i feel like i saw but yeah this one i just missed and didn't see until we decided to do it and i figured this was the best time the only time i had seen anything from it is when i gave you this vhs and we watched like the uh the promo before the movie that was the first thing that was the first time i had watched any anything of this movie yeah and that's really interesting screener demo tape whatever you want to call it where they're just desperately saying bye 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 this movie Now's the time to grab your share of the Tracy phenomenon. Rental intent for Dick Tracy is as high as it was for Three Men and a Baby, the industry's all-time number one rental, and much higher than for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They believe in you, Tracy. 
Touchstone ensures high rental profits with a Dick Tracy event kit coming in November, featuring a five-foot standee that sends them to the new release rack. Turn your store into Dick Tracy headquarters and add more excitement with special Dick Tracy items you can buy direct from licensees using our merchandise flyer. And hey. I remember this movie quite fondly because the marketing was pretty insane. Yeah, so like I'm I missed this in the nineties because obviously like I said, I wasn't like conscious really yet. So like what was this advertising like? Was it just everywhere? Like was it like on every bus stop and uh and sign on the highway and like everything like that? Like anywhere you could see stuff for it, was this just everywhere? Yeah, it was everywhere on TV. That's what I remember it. Because you had the McDonald's game. Uh, I can't remember what that was called, but it was something about um, uh, Play McDonald's $40 million Crime Stopper game. It's not just a game. It's a mystery. An adventure. It's you against Bruneface, Influence, Itchy, and a motley crew of criminals in McDonald's Dick Tracy Crime Stopper game. Solve crimes. Catch crooks. Collect rewards like food or cash up to a million bucks. Dick Tracy, the movie is in theaters. I'm on my way. The game is at McDonald's. Uh, I actually have notes for this movie because this movie's so big. There's so much to talk about it. And, I mean, this could be another Mario Brothers, but I think we're going to keep it shorter because that was insane. <laughs> but there's so much going on with, you know, the McDonald's commercials. And I think there was a comic book that came out also. Like they... I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. if there... I remember the Batman comic book. Uh, uh, I remember seeing that one. Oh, I'm sure they had a... They had a film adaptation comic book of this because it seemed to be the the thing to do at the time. <laughs> yeah, and this was Disney, even though it wasn't done through the Disney name. What was this, Touchstone? Yeah, this one was Touchstone. Yeah, so, I mean, they went pretty crazy with it with all the TV ads. I remember this playing all the time. Nice. Yeah. See Dick Tracy and, and remember to buy the little watch, kids, so you can communicate with your friends. I remember saying, seeing in the uh, promo thing, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it when we get there, but them talking about how it was going to be a big seller at the uh, Disney stores. Yeah, and I think Disney even put on like a show, the Dick Tracy show or something like that, where live action heroes were running around, and Dick Tracy was punching them, and they probably had the Indiana Jones punch. Right. Yeah, I remember that. It was just a really big deal. And the toys. Do you remember any of the toys? Our big boy Caprice and his men Mumbles, Flat Top, Itchy, and Influence have called a meeting with Pruneface to get him to join their mob. Pruneface agrees, and with weapons drawn, they swear to get Dick Tracy once and for all. Suddenly, sirens blare, searchlights fill the room, and the door bursts open. It's Dick Tracy and his right-hand man, Sam Ketchum. Big boy's gang is finished for now, but can Tracy keep him behind bars? Find out next time. From Playmates. I've seen him uh, since, you know, at resale shops and stuff like that. But when I was buying toys, they were not in the shelves anymore. Yeah, I remember being pretty disappointed in them. I owned a few. Um, and I remember the lips. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. But I'm pretty sure that toy had cement shoes. Nice. Which is 
pretty messed up if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we had toys for Terminator 2 and Rambo, so <laughs> different time. Yeah, and it was really interesting because in the 90s, when we get into this whole month of 90s comic book movies, a lot of them were really different because no one quite knew how to do this. I mean, beforehand, we had Superman. What, that was 78? Uh, we had Conan the Barbarian. That was a comic book movie. A lot of people don't actually kind of like associate that one with, but I mean, that was a old pulp comic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, Batman, which was the one that I think kind of like, well, I think it's obvious. It ushered everything in for the 90s because we were mostly trying like hardcore grit. Like even the first Turtles reminds me of Batman. Yeah, everything sort of did the Batman thing after this. Even you could really feel the the Batman imprint on Dick Tracy here. Yeah, with the the dark darkness and the kind of like I don't know a dirty city that Dick Tracy was trying to uh, save. He had a lot of, and of course, I mean Danny Elfman did the score for this movie. It's very similar, very yes. similar to Batman. Yeah, I was getting a lot of the similarities. And then the, uh, I guess, like, I, I kind of saw it, too, with, like, the yellow trench coat and hat with the yellow Batman symbol. Yeah, and the way they, I rem- like, the poster of of him in the in the slicker and stuff, and it's kind of like the blackout. It's very much like that Batman uh, teaser poster that was just the bat symbol. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, I remember this because I, I liked this a lot as a kid. And then it kind of just went away. As fast as this movie came on, also as quickly as it went away. Yeah, and another reason probably I hadn't seen it is, yeah, I didn't really hear about it too much growing up, you know? And then, like, it, I don't think it had... I, I know it has a following, but I don't think it has, like, sort of as big of, like, a cult following as maybe some of the other movies we're going to talk about. This one almost just seems like it was a really big movie when it came out. And now people generally kind of like it, but it's not like anything that anybody talks about all the time or anything like that. Yeah. I guess before we get into the um, the actual VHS slip and everything on this, I can talk about the messy production because this had been in production or talked about being made since 75, so before Superman. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Superman helped this movie get made just many years down the line. Um, so you had with Universal ended up buying the rights of this from this little bitty company. What was it called? Tribune Media, Tribune Media Services. Ever heard of them? Are they just our newspaper? <laughs> I don't know what they are, honestly. Oh. But they owned rights to this, and that's one of the biggest one of the biggest problems is when Universal got it, they were just trying all kinds of stuff. They were bringing in all kinds of people, you know, like. Steven Spielberg was attached to this and John Landis when he was, you know, really big right before, you know, uh, that accident on a a certain movie. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of, uh, I don't want to say killed his career or crashed his career because that's too close to the accident. Um, right. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, it delayed, I don't know, derailed. There we go. But yeah, he was attached to this and he even brought in writers, John Landis, like Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr., who had just done Top Gun. And I think when Warren Beatty finally got 
this, uh, what happened was Universal just kind of lost the rights to it because they had been, you know, messing around for over 10 years with it and just couldn't get it off the ground. And they had, they had obviously talked to Warren Beatty too of doing this, but once they lost the rights, Warren Beatty basically kind of, I guess Disney and them bought the rights, which led him to kind of, I guess, allowing him to star, direct, and produce this. And, uh, I mean, this is the kind of power that Warren Beatty had back then. A lot of kids or younger people probably just don't understand the power that Warren Beatty possessed in Hollywood at the time. Yeah, even the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s, he was like Hollywood royalty. He could do anything. Yeah, which is funny because he's not in a ton of movies. Right. He's choosy. Yeah, and he's really hard to work with. He's a control freak. I'm not uh, surprised by that at all. <laughs> yeah, Danny Elfman said, you know, working with him was crazy. And he, there's a lot of people that work with Beatty, get their awards, and then just don't work with him again. Um, I did, you know, I get the vibe from watching the movie, though, that he was into it. This didn't feel like he was just doing like a cash grab or trying to phone it in or anything like that. Like as in terms of directing, acting, producing the movie's got a look, it's got a vibe and he's given it a hundred percent in his performance. So like he's into it. Now I, I think this happens a lot too with these control freaks is they get a vision. It's their dream and they do it. You got to give them credit. Like even Tim Burton, he right. has his vision. I'm going to do it. If you don't like it, fine but at least you get a vision right and it doesn't get into this too many cooks in the kitchen um now disney i think i don't know if they wish they would have gone a different direction but uh i you know this is a classic movie of with a control freak who had a budget that ballooned i mean originally I think it was supposed to be around 25 million. Then it grew to like 40 and 50. And then after marketing, which was insane, I think this movie was over a hundred million dollars. It looks like it. <laughs> every, every one of those dollars is on screen. Oh, there's no doubt. This movie just from the costumes to the sets, to the music, to all the actors that they had to pay. This is mm. nuts. Do you have a picture up of the incredibly simple of VHS slip? No. All right, do you, I do. Are you going to talk about the one that you have, or are you going to talk about the one uh, like the one that everybody has seen? Well, mine is incredibly simple to talk about. It's the demo tape. Is it's a it's a preview tape. It says touchstone at the top, preview tape at the bottom, and then you look at the other side. It's got a little cutout that says the hundred and seven million dollar film event of the year continues on video. Dick Tracy contains full-length feature film. Demo tape, not for rental. Not for sale or rental. Nice. Uh, and the front of the, the VHS slip, it just says at the top in you know comic font, uh, Warren Beatty, and it shows him shooting a Tommy gun. It says Dick Tracy. <laughs> um, and then there's another one where it's, it's the profile view of his face with the yellow hat. Those are our two covers for this movie. Oh, there was another one um, where Dick Tracy's uh, walking with the kid. 
I think that's the one that the uh, Blu-ray has because I just got the Blu-ray when we were when we were going to start doing this, uh, and I think that's the cover that they use is the him and the kid kind of in the silhouette. It says this year's most enjoyable experience, but I cannot read who actually did the quote. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> it says calling Dick Tracy the worldwide smash hit and most talked about film of the year. Warren Beatty leads an all-star cast in this story of a hard-nosed, soft-hearted detective and a streetwise kid with a hearty appetite for an adventure. Together, they fight to clean up the crime-ridden streets of the city. But standing in their way is a mob of the most colorful gangsters ever assembled. With its dazzling mix of action, adventure, music, and incredible special effects, Dick Tracy is a, a not-to-be-missed. Oh, okay, let me. Dick Tracy is a not-to-be-missed movie experience that will thrill everyone. There it is. Simple and effective, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and the production stills in the back. You got Tracy firing a Tommy gun. Madonna looking sexual, sensational. You got the kid talking to Dick Tracy, and then you got maybe the guy who steals the show in this, <laughs> Al Pacino as Big Boy with the newspaper. You know, uh, that man. So when we get into this, if you're walking down the video store and you see this, do you want to rent it? Now, you didn't, so I guess you yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, I did. I passed it up for years. You know, I... I don't think I knew until maybe when I was like in my 20s or whatever. I don't think I knew that this movie was kind of like weird and heightened or whatever. I think I always just thought it was just a 90s crime movie. And I just, you know, it was like, oh, it's Dick Tracy. But like, I just thought it was like a normal Warren Beatty movie. I didn't think it was, you know, crazy with all these makeups and all these characters and this and like all the all the world, I didn't know that this movie was any of those things. So I feel like maybe the cover did it a little bit of a disservice because I just thought it was a normal crime thing. Yeah, I guess they were just going with the simple film noir, like you know, look for this. But what I didn't remember was how crazy this film was, because I had probably seen this film since the nineties. Mm -hmm. I'm talking maybe maybe late 90s, maybe mid, I don't know, somewhere around there. But my adult brain, when it consumed this, <laughs> was just overwhelmed by how nuts it is. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and like since we don't have any trailers other than you know our preview tape that said bye bye bye, if we can get right into this movie, yeah, and. I, I can I can tell you what, right when the first card games going on, where you had the uh, like tiny face, I don't know what his name was. Right. Yeah, but I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, he's basically looks like a giant egg with the tiny fa little face. Maybe mm -hmm. his name was. Uh, that oh, I I was just looking at that and I'm like, wow, I forgot about all this. Yeah, it starts off with like a ton of makeups. And then we get the insane, like, matte painting animation backgrounds, We like, the cityscapes and everything like that. And I was like, whoa, 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 this is, this is weird comic book, like, up a thousand, like, dialed up to a thousand here. <laughs> this is a real-life cartoon. Right. I At first, I had a hard time, like, I was like, wow, it's all going to be like this. It's, like, at 100% almost the entire film. Yes. Yeah. 
as you know, especially when like Al Pacino comes into the picture and he's just screaming the entire movie. Uh, but that's like kind of like how the whole movie is. It's just like it's screaming at the audience with all these we- with all this weird shit that's in there. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of like most of my notes are not on Dick Tracy. They're just on Big Boy, which is who Al Pacino plays. It's on um, what what's Mahoney, which is mm-hmm. Madonna, mm-hmm. and it's William Forsythe's uh, flat top. Right. So that's now, mostly what I I write about in my notes. Yeah, I think uh, just like my kind of quick observation on like the the two is that like obviously Al Pacino is kind of chewing scenery and like stealing every scene he's in, but I really think that. Uh, Forsyth kind of walks away with the movie. He is giving, he's the one I feel like gets it the most. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I enjoyed him so much. He's easily the best thug. Right. Yeah, he like stands out immediately as like, like the, my favorite thug as well. Yeah, and he's the most menacing character. He's the one that I felt like had the chance to kill Tracy more than anyone else. Yeah. And he just, he's, his look, too, he just stands out, like, immediately. Yeah, and he's anything but level-headed. Oh, oh. there's my joke. <laughs> but, yeah, once... It's hard, though, because Al Pacino just comes like a wrecking ball through this. Because yes. once he kidnaps Lips, and uh, who's the actor? I always forget this actor's name, and he's in everything. Uh, Paul Servino? Yeah, Paul Servino plays lips and he puts him in a concrete bath big boy ain't we pals no pals in this business lips you taught me that sign it the deed to the club roots that's right i'm going into show business now you're dirty lips you need a bath not the bath not the bath big boy not the bath big boy was burnt I know, and I'm gonna miss you. But all's fair in love and business. Benjamin Franklin. I assume. You. Me? How do you want it? Want it? Around me. If a woman don't wear mink, she don't wear nothing. Well, I look good both ways. That always like disturbed me as a kid. Yeah, that's well, like we were talking about with like the the R rated toys and stuff. Like this was a uh, not gentle, <laughs> you know. Like this is pretty rough. Yeah, I can definitely see why Disney <laughs> just probably saw this and said, "Yeah, yeah, this is not a Disney movie, but uh, we'll we'll distribute it under Touchstone." Yeah, this is why this is the reason they have these other production arms uh, in the '90s so that they could do stuff like this. Yeah, because this is so violent. I mean, there's a lot of shooting. Yeah, this is like that. It is like Batman level. Like, it's like super. It's like pushing the limits of the PG-13. Super violent. You know, super bleak. uh, Super dark. It's definitely doing the Batman thing. And Madonna's so sexual in it. Yeah, I mean, she has like the see-through nighty on in that one scene. Uh, So that's like, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty... Walking on the edge of PG thirteen there. Oh yeah, they're they're <laughs> they're hardcore with this. Uh, I do wonder how much like it seems like someone wanted this to be rated R. 
Yeah. And maybe that's Beatty coming from like the uh, 60s, 70s, like new wave of film American filmmaking. He wanted to probably push buttons with this too. I think he definitely was. Someone was. Right. I don't know who, but because it's so violent. No one reloads, which is one of my favorite things. Yeah. It's just bullets just flying everywhere. No one's putting in new clips or new drums into their Tommy gun. It's just, it's nuts. And the the amount of bullet holes in vehicles in this is just hysterical. Yeah, this is adding, now this is on the flip side, this is adding to like the cartoon aspect of the movie. <laughs> yeah, because, which speaking of cartoon, before this movie there actually was a, uh, a Roger Rabbit cartoon. Was that in theaters? They did that in the theatrical release? Yeah, I do remember it. It was something uh, where they were in a uh, carnival, like roller coaster rabbit or something like that. Was that before or after uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Was that a promo for that or was it already out? Well, I remember Roger Rabbit played in front of a few Disney movies. Oh, okay. You know, I think, no, the Rocketeer didn't have one, but there were a few. I don't remember, but I do remember a little bit of that one. I, I, that had to be, let's see, was Roger Rabbit 1990? I can't remember. I can't remember if it's 89, 90, or 91. Well, this thing called the internet will help me. Um, <laughs> who Framed Roger Rabbit? Wow, I love how Who Framed Roger Rabbit 2 comes up before. <laughs> 1988. Okay, so this was after. Okay, okay got it. So it must have been like linked. They must have linked Roger Rabbit to their like adult themed movies. Their PG thirteen uh, Disney things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, getting into this like cartoonish level of violence, the end of this, and I don't want to skip and talk about the end, but the end is just crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. Any any of these little bitty characters that you want to highlight? I do. I mean, I was kind of like a little bit drawn into Dustin Hoffman's character Mumbles uh, as well, just because I just thought it was such a weird thing to have in this movie. Mumbles was, I mean, that entire scene where he's sitting there interrogating him and drinking the water in front of him. Where's Lips Manless? Okay, you heard him, Mrs. Green. That's his testimony. Okay, boys, get him out of here. Is what? So weird. So weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, a lot of these characters were going pretty, pretty weird with a lot of it. And you just had so many characters making cameo appearances that it was hard to keep up with. It seemed like every scene I was like, wait a minute, is that, oh my gosh, is that? You know, over and over. Um, yeah, so, Kathy some Bates. Of the, yeah, Kathy Bates has like a quick moment in there. Dick Van Dyke's in a couple scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catherine O'Hara. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the thugs that, like, just his visual uh, was uh, Henry Silva's um, influence. Is that what the what, character's name was? Which one is this one? Um, he, he had a really, like, he has a harsh, uh, a lot of harsh edges to his makeup. And he was one of, um, big boy's main thugs, but I can't, I don't know how to describe him to you. 
He his like brow like, kind of looks like a caveman. Okay, okay. I think I'm I'm looking it up too, so I can have a visual here. I think I'm picturing the right guy though. Yeah, he's got like a huge nose, kind of like the uh, pig look. Yes, yes. I got him here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Henry Silva, his face alone is just like a perfect casting for a bad guy. So they just like enhanced him. Yeah. Uh, and it, this is like, he's one of the ones, it's like him and the, the super wrinkly one. Uh, they're like the, the over the top, like old man one, whatever, whatever that yeah, makeup is supposed face. to be. Uh, those are like almost like the two, like most like kind of like horror characters that are in this. They look like monsters. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, I'm sure that's what they were trying to do with a lot of these. And then some of the characters had, you know, kind of like James Caan. Right. Which is barely in the film, because Big Boy kills him so fast. Right. But yeah, I mean, a lot of them, I guess, were supposed to be monstrous, but they don't have the outside appearance. So I don't know. I mean, I know they use like over 20-something bad guys from the original comic strip. That was created by uh, Chester Gould in like the nineteen thirty one. This must have been fun then for like people who either grew up reading it or you know got super into it because you know for them this is probably like a, an Avengers kind of thing if you're seeing all of these uh, different villains in the movie. Yeah, I'm wondering if they just stuck in all these characters because they could. Or were they like, you know, we don't know if we're going to get a sequel, so we just better put in as much shit as we can? Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> that's what I, I feel like there's too many. I could, yeah, I couldn't tell you, like, if you were like, list all of the different villains in this, I'd be like, I couldn't. There's no way. No, there's there's so many. Uh, another one of the one uh, characters I liked was 88 Keys, the mm-hmm. piano player. Mm-hmm. That actor's been in quite a bit. I think he's in like the Law and Orders now too. Um, his, it's Mandy something. Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, Mandy Patinkin. Uh, who was you know he's been oh, he's been around forever. Yeah, a character actor. I mean, Just, the Princess you've Bride. Seen <laughs> <laughs> you've seen him in everything. <laughs> yeah, he has one of the best lines in the Princess Bride. Which killed, one does it? What you is killed it? my I, brother. I've only ever seen Princess Bride once, too. This is another one that kind of got by me. <laughs> yeah, it's because you're, you know, you're a '90s kid. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's. I'll play the line for you right here. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Yeah, onward is just like I can't keep up with all the character actors, and I don't think I'm gonna try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's so there's so many. Even like the scene, like you were talking about the opening, they give you so many of just those characters, you know, like the little face guy and everything like that. And then and then we've got Big Boys Gang and just any anybody that comes in this thing besides Dick Tracy and like sort of the people that are immediately around him are all donned in some kind of crazy makeup. Yeah, and the if you notice the colors in this film. There's a lot of muted, but there's very few. And that was on purpose, as Warren Beatty just wanted to use the original seven colors from the comic strip. That makes sense. So you've That's got a cool. lot of And yellow. it comes through. It worked. Like, you could tell. Yeah, you've got a lot of yellows, blues, reds, and greens. They, like, dominate the screen. 
Right, any of the colors, like the non-blacks, grays, and whites, or whatever, all the colors pop like crazy in the movie. Yeah, it's because everything else is so desaturated. Right. <laughs> it's so Batman-esque. Yeah, exactly. It's I don't know. I always wonder, like, if Batman didn't exist, what these films would have looked like. Like, you know, Dick Tracy and the first Turtles. And I'm sure there were some other ones. I, I mean, Spawn just felt like it was really desaturated, too. Even stuff that wasn't superhero got so much of that early Burton influence, even like like Adams, the first Adams Family. Um, oh, good point, yeah. What had like that super, uh, what was another one from that time, the early 90s, that sort of took the Tim Burton look? Alien 3. Yeah, dark, desaturated, for sure. Batman Returns, that doesn't count. Oh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, that was comic book kind of influency that was uh you know it that that world that heightened world well you also had a lot of the um art deco looks in yeah, the late 80s think, early 90s yeah i think that was also kind of brought in by batman you know yeah, um, you had it with the rocketeer or german expressionism kind of like dominated this uh, mm-hmm. time when it came to like stylized films um I'm even looking at some here like that I feel like were sort of influenced or probably wouldn't have come out if it weren't for uh, stuff like Batman. And that's like Cool World, Stay Tuned, Mom and Dad Save the World, uh, Death Becomes Her. Yeah, The Mask. Yeah, you have a lot of these. Stargate. Absolutely. Like these are all these big, dark. I can't believe we missed this one. This has got to be the biggest one that has the influence of Batman and stuff. The Crow. Absolutely. We wouldn't have had the crow if it weren't for Batman. Yeah, so, oh, Time Cop. That also feels like a Batman. (laughs) Yep, it does. I just watched that again recently, and it absolutely does. Yeah, so, I mean, Batman influenced a lot of these, and we, I mean, I feel like it didn't truly leave maybe until Independence Day. Yeah, the mid-late 90s were sort of the end of that. Uh, but even by the time, yeah, like you mentioned Spawn earlier, by the time we got to Spawn, things were changing. We were headed in the Marvel direction kind of after Spawn. Yeah, Dark then City. it was Blade, then it was X-Men, then it was Spider-Man, and then Spider-Man has taken us where we are today. Yeah, I feel like the Dark Cities, the Blades, they started to slowly... I mean, Blade got, you know, two sequels, but... And then the Matrix happened, and then we were all in leather. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But you also had like it was just it was leather costumes, it was the Spider-Man look and all that, and the Marvel look going down, or you had zombies. This is basically it after 9/11. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, farther along into the, I mean, the whole story is kind of the plot's really thin, and I think you know it's just one of those film noirs. Is like the detectives trying to crack down on the bad guy. The bad guy sets him up. Uh, he overcomes it with the help of his friends and so on. I, I guess another thing that I always remember this film was I remember as a kid really liking Kid. Mm-hmm. The same actor that was in Hook. I have mm-hmm. no idea what his name is. I don't, uh, I don't remember his name either, but he is always the Hook kid to me. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Crosmo, Crosmo, whatever. Um I, as watching this as an adult, that character's almost useless. 
And I feel like that character was only put in the movie so kids would tell their parents, I got to go see that. Yeah, I think it was to make, it was definitely to hook the kid. You had Warren Beatty to hook the adult audience and you had him in there to hook the kid audience, especially like at the end when like he gives him the the watch communicator. Uh, I feel like that was like just a ploy to sell toys right there. <laughs> oh yeah, I had the watch. It worked. Yeah, see, it worked. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, and I don't remember much. They didn't seem to give much um, screen time to Tess. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, well, she had screen time. I shouldn't say that. She didn't have much to do. Yeah, I guess that's a better way to put it. She just kind of had to wait for Dick Tracy to show up. That was basically any of her scenes, was her either by herself or with Kid waiting for Dick Tracy to show up. <laughs> yeah, and waiting for him to propose. Right. Because I know he didn't want a desk job, and then he's, you know, he's just trying to be the old tough guy, which Warren Beatty was in pretty damn good shape. He was 52 when this movie was made. He looks great. I I knew people were complaining that he was too old to play Dick Tracy, but I never had that thought watching this film at all. Yeah, I feel like he's exactly the right age for what this movie is. I mean, it's also all the villains, because we were talking about how we're kind of dumped on with villains, are all established. This isn't some origin story. He's been doing this for a minute. All these villains are out there. It would totally make sense that he would be in his 50s here. Yeah, I feel like this movie just starts you off and you just kind of should know the backstory. You don't, but I feel like you get it really fast. Yeah, I never read any comic strips or knew any or read any comic books or knew anything Dick Tracy besides the name. And I understood what was going on. I figured it out. You know, it all made sense. Yeah, and the the end of it, we have uh, what? Madonna's playing two characters, No Face. Is that the character's name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the end, we find out. He's like, oh, she's both characters. Dun, dun, dun. We, with Madonna, we haven't even talked about the craziest thing about this movie is that it's also a musical. Yeah, there's a lot of music in this. Uh, Steven Sondheim from like Broadway wrote a bunch of the songs for this movie and there's a bunch of Madonna songs in it. Uh, I was very like confused by all that. I didn't know that we were going to also get like a bunch of songs too. Yeah. Sooner or later that she performed that was written Hmm. by Steven. um, What's his name? Sondheim. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. A lot of the music in this you know, that she performs or the score by Danny Elfman is, is really good. I, uh, I like the score. I didn't like any of the songs. They kept coming and I didn't like any of You didn't of them. like Sooner or Later? Nope. I didn't like any of the songs. See, that one felt kind of bondish to me. Oh, I, yeah. There was definitely a Bond vibe. Yeah. I, I liked the, the Sooner or Later. Um, and I really liked the score when I listened to it while working. I was just like, oh, this is really impressive. There's a lot impressive on this film. I thought the entire art direction and costumes were awesome. The the makeup's fantastic. What I just don't get was why this movie disappeared so fast. Came on hard, and that was it. (laughs) Yeah, it it did not have a lasting impression on people. Yeah. Because anytime anytime I ask someone about this film, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But they don't really remember it. They just knew it happened. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know. 
a lot. I know, I know one person who this is their favorite movie. I know, I do know one person of that. Other than that, I don't hear too many people just like this come up even with '90s comic book movies. I don't hear this one really come up when it comes to like childhood favorites for a lot of people like my age. Like it, it just people have seen it. It just exists. But yeah, it never went beyond that in in a bigger in a bigger way. And it won a lot of awards and was nominated for a lot of them. Uh, and the Oscars alone, it earned um, nominations for Best Art Direction and Set Decoration, Best Makeup Effects, Best Cinematography, Best Sound, Best Music and Original Score Sooner or Later, and Best uh, Costume Design. And then also nominated was Al Pacino, who uh, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Big Boy. And then the Oscars that they won was Best Art Direction and Set Decoration, Best Makeup Effects, and Best Original Song Sooner or Later. So yeah, I mean, it surprised me when I read all these awards for a comic book movie. Yeah, more people. It's surprising, like when we talk about comic book movies and you know how they've grown into the mainstream or whatever. How we don't talk about this one more than since it took Oscars. You know, it took until The Dark Knight for another uh, superhero movie like this to get a bunch of award nominations. Yeah, to be taken serious, you know, with their art. It's just like no, this should be, this should be up there with best pictures. I mean, it's what people watch the most and what entertains them the most. But you know, the Oscars, yeah. old thespians hold yes. on to the, uh, the key to the gate. Yes. <laughs> but I wonder if Warren Beatty was the man, you know, responsible for this being opened up. I think so. He legitimized it, probably. Yeah, so, eh. and uh, we do have to talk about how much cocaine we think Al Pacino did on set. Oh my God. <laughs> he is, he's on like a million in every scene he's in. He is just jumping off the walls. He's screaming. He's got like the the back hump and he's got like these facial prosthetics. So it doesn't matter. He's just screaming through it all. <laughs> I want him dead. Both of them. I want this no face dead and I want Tracy dead. What's the matter? You bums forgot how to kill people? Doesn't your work mean anything to you anymore? Have you no sense of pride in what you do? No sense of duty? No sense of destiny? I'm looking for generals! What do I got? Foot soldiers! I want this Tracy dead! Yeah, apparently he helped redesign this character. Because in the comic books, he was, like, fat and grotesque. Mm -hmm. In this one, he's more, you know, hunchbacked got big hands and i guess that's you know like a he's got big facial expression you know like i think he has bigger ears and i mean he's just a really odd looking character yeah (laughs) with really big trench coats and stuff on and i that's why i thought he was called big boy because everything he wore was really big i I think he's called i think he's called big boy because he's just like his persona it's yeah. so big. <laughs> that's yeah, that might be it too. I don't know, maybe it's a combination of all of them, but yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about the movie. Now, the behind the scenes is nuts. <laughs> Cuz like I said earlier, Danny Elfman said that working with Warren Beatty was just insane. Uh I mean, he was just had his finger in everything, so to speak. Okay. 
uh, extreme control freak down to the colors used in the costumes and the production uh, set design to the, you know, the lines. I mean, he was the director, the producer, and the star. And basically might as well just, I don't know, been everything. <laughs> set decoration, costume design. So he's he had a vision and he got it. Yeah, you know, it's like I would never want to work with somebody like that because, like, it's probably, like, like Danny Elfman's recounting was a nightmare. But, like, in, in terms of being a film watcher, it's like when somebody cares, when somebody gives a shit, it makes such a difference. And it's like, and you can always tell. So it's like if Warren Beatty did do all that stuff, it's like at least he gave a shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this just looked like a dream project that he had wanted to do since he was a kid. I think somewhere I read something like that. You know, this it comes. Was... It it if if that is true, it one hundred percent comes across because, like, it is it is a vision. It is a singular vision. It's a vision all its own. Yes, it has influences and couldn't have been made without like Batman happening the year before. But like, this is a, it's still its own thing. It's it's it is a like a direct a visual director like creating a new. A new look. Going through this, uh, I thought it was funny to see that Madonna and Warren Beatty were dating at the time. All right. I did not know that. No, did not know that. So, uh, <laughs> that that must have been interesting when they were doing all their, you know, like uh, sexual into windows and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, why don't you frisk me? <laughs> she she was she's she's into it. She was, uh, you know, she was probably coming on to him. Yeah, I, I will say, like, I, I'm not much of a like uh, a big Madonna person. You know, I'm never like, oh, she's so hot. But I gotta admit that she was hot in this role. This, yo, yeah, this is my favorite era of Madonna. Not like 99, the Vogue era. Yeah, this is my favorite Madonna yeah. for sure. Because I mean, she did a league of their own like right after this. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so. I, I would say amazing movie. <laughs> I do wonder these might be my two favorite performances of Madonna. Dick Tracy I, and a league of their own. Um, I'm not, you know, I we're we're talking about being like attractive in this. I I don't know if we if we didn't have the reveal that she was no face, I would say that Madonna almost doesn't even need to be in this movie because all she's really doing is performing at Big Boys Club, kind of. She doesn't really, yeah, she has those moments with Dick Tracy, but she's not really like, until she's revealed as No-Face, she's not really driving the plot anywhere. No, she's the look. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I was like, why is Madonna in this movie? Like most of the movie. And then when it's revealed at the end, I was like, oh. <laughs> and remember how we were saying how many um, bad guys were in this? So 21 villains from the original comic strip appeared in this movie. We've got Stooge, the Rodent, Little Face, Flat Top, Itchy, uh, Breathless Mahoney, 88 Keys, Lips, The Tramp, uh, Big Boy, Prune Face, Mumbles, and Spud? I don't know. There's a lot of other ones, but I'm just not going to read them. Wow. That's... That's a lot. Like, but if if you were a fan of the comic strips and the and the Dick Tracy franchise, you probably were pretty stoked to see twenty one villains in the movie, though. 
Yeah, I, d- I just don't know how you keep up with them. <laughs> if, if somebody made a Batman movie today and it was in Arkham Asylum and you had 21 Batman villains in the movie, I'd be like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, there's a lot more behind the scenes on this. I'm just not going to go through them and, you know, turn this uh, podcast into like an hour and a half. <laughs> so are we ready for the museum? Yeah, yeah, I am. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. All right. This is the part of the show where we go out into the film jungle like Indy and we bring something back for our museum. Dick Tracy. I think I'm going to go first on this one because I want to steal this from you before you do. I think the the special effects, the, the makeup. Uh, they're incredible yeah it's the star of the movie like warren Beatty's great but like the star of the movie is all the the creature effects yeah it's this reminds me a lot of batman 3 where i mm-hmm. feel like the bad guys and the the entire world around batman is so much bigger than batman that you forget he's in the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. like val kilmer got that batman mm-hmm. uh, i feel like this is the same thing like i'm like yeah dick tracy's the star but that's not what i remember Right, you you remember all the crazy uh, costumes and faces of all these different guys. Yeah, and that's that's the same thing with Batman. See, that was Batman Forever, right? Yeah, Your the one favorite. I watch yeah. a weekly. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you got for this? Um, well, first first of all, I'll say I I I like this movie. I like this. I think it's I I like it. I think it's cool. Uh, but I am gonna put a lump of coal in the museum. Uh, this week because I'm going to put the songs in there and I'm going to put all of the songs in there. I'm not going to single any out here, uh, but I'm going to put the songs in the movie because it, to me, it feels like a different movie. I wish it was just, just kind of the pulp comics kind of thing. Just the Danny Elfman score. I wish it was just that, like the songs do take me out of it a little bit. Uh, and there's so many songs and I don't like really any of them. Uh, so the, the, I wish it would have just done what it was doing because to me, the songs are kind of the thing where I'm like too much in a movie of too much. The thing that broke it for me was the songs. So I wish they weren't there. And it's, it's, it's a lump of coal for a movie I like, but like I, it would, I would like it a lot more if there weren't so many songs. And I said a lot more. And now all I can hear is Al Pacino screaming more, more, more. That's what I was going to say. Like when he's sitting there trying to teach all of them how to dance and what he wants in the song, I just thought it was hilarious because I was like, wait a minute. I think Big Boy is Warren Beatty. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Just being crazy and, you know, directing. And, but man, did Al Pacino know how to work a hump? He is like, when he's like dancing, (laughs) he is like showing off that hump so well. It was it was cracking me up, but I couldn't stand the song. <laughs> well, he was very he was probably very proud of the character he made. Yeah, you could tell. <laughs> yeah, he was that he was and the cocaine. Good, yeah, he was having a good time, and I feel like that's why he stole this movie so much. It's just because he leaps. I mean, a lot of his roles, he's either yelling off the screen or he leaps off the screen. This one, I feel like he did both. Yeah, I mean this this had to be peak cocaine Pacino for this. Like he's just exploding in this movie. Oh yeah, this is scent of a woman Pacino. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's just spectacular to watch him. Uh, it just, I mean, if there was anything else I would put in the museum, I would just do a body cast of Big Boy. <laughs> but I tell you what, yeah, we could have all the costumes if we were just making an entire wing of the museum. Dick Tracy wing would be the funniest because people would walk down. They were like, wow, I didn't realize this movie had so much to it. And then as soon as they left the museum, they would also forget about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> just like how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> it never got a sequel because of the, the rights on this. And Warren Beatty's still trying to get a sequel to this. I would love to see him direct one in 2020 that he's not in. I just think he is at this point too old because he's got to be pushing 80 at this point. Uh, but like he or or he is 80 at this point. Uh, but uh, I'd love to see him direct one, like do kind of a Clint Eastwood thing and direct one with maybe a, a another 50-year-old actor in the role. Yeah, that would be interesting to figure out who we'd cast. Yeah, he's 83. Yeah, I would, I, like an old-ass, like a Clint Eastwood kind of, like I would love to see him direct this with a different actor in it. I think that'd be cool. I think he'd do a lot of weird shit. I think there'd be more CGI probably, but uh, I think he would do still a cool visual thing with it yeah i i just don't think you could make it as interesting because of all the cg i mean this is so interesting because it's so unique but you never know you never know if he had a vision and he went as hardcore on his vision like he did this one maybe it would be maybe it would be awesome yeah if he got like a hundred million to make a dick tracy reboot from disney or universal got, got it again or something like that and he directed it and you know, cast it well and put another 21 villains in it. I think, I think it'd be a, a, an interesting uh, piece to come out of the uh, 2020s. Maybe, maybe, maybe stick to like 12. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Cause I don't want my head just to like be on a swivel. Like who, who, huh? What? That's what I felt like I was this entire movie. Like, I don't even know how long the movie was. It was exhausting. Yeah. And and it's not that long. It's like a hundred minutes. It's like, but they cram a ton of shit in that hundred minutes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. This is of the four movies we're doing this month. This is the I watched this one twice because a I hadn't seen it before, and b there was so much going on. Yeah, I rewatched uh, the beginning twice, um, like the tramp. Uh, I really did like that scene. Mm-hmm. I felt that like that really that that entire scene right there pretty much sold who Dick Tracy was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed whoever was in the makeup of the tramp. I don't honestly know. It could have been a famous actor. I don't know. There might be more famous actors that we don't realize are in there underneath the pounds and pounds of makeup because there, there were so many that I didn't even recognize, but I'm sure they were famous. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's like uh, some characters in there that I didn't list that are famous that we don't know about. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. So, all right, that's going to end it this week with our first of four 90s comic book films when they were trying to figure it all out. My favorite time for comic book movies. <laughs> it's pretty fun to see all the craziness that went along with this one. And it's it's crazy to see a movie like this that won so many awards, that made almost $200 million worldwide, that just fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, this is a really interesting case. This is an inverse of most of the movies we cover because most of the movies we cover don't do anything at theaters and find like a second life on video. This one almost died after video. (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting. 
All right, remember to be kind. And rewind.